Focus on Creative podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. Hey guys, it's so good to have you back. This is Rich Langton. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Um, We've been doing this podcast for quite some time and there's a whole bunch of episodes that you want to maybe go back and have a listen to after you've listened to this one. Um, But if you've been listening the whole time, thank you for listening. And I just wanted to thank everybody who's been sharing the podcast. On today's episode, we've got a really fun interview. This happened at our worship conference back in November. And it's a conversation really about bringing a prophetic edge to your creativity. So including, I guess, an element of faith, an element of foresight, an element of what God is saying to our creativity. And so not creating just for creativity's sake, but really bringing meaning to it and uh, including a message in our creativity. Hannah Hobbs, one of our creative pastors, was interviewing Bobby Houston, who you would know as our senior pastor along with Brian, her husband. Bobby is hugely creative and very prophetic in her creativity, so you're going to love her contribution. But then on top of that, we had Amanda Cook join us. And obviously, if you know her from her albums and her music through Bethel, you'll know that she has a real prophetic edge to her creativity. Along with that, you know, not to be outdone, but Laura Toggs joined them and she has a really great prophetic voice into particularly uh, music and creativity, but, but amongst youth. And then halfway through, Joel Houston joined the interview. Obviously, he's made a huge contribution to church music and is, is I think, a real voice uh, for the church today. So I think you're going to love this interview. We're going to jump straight in. We'll talk to you afterwards. So we're super excited today to run a session on finding the prophetic edge in your creativity. And so we have organised a panel of a lifetime for you guys. I thought it would be cool to just start today by talking about, this is kind of like early stages, but each of us, you're all creative people. Obviously, that's why we're here and talking about this. But I don't know about you guys. I had this. I have this memory of when I was in um, grade four. I was doing like a creative writing project or something at school, and I I didn't know what I was doing, but I was kind of writing away, not thinking much about it. And um, a teacher came to me and said, "Hey, you're really good at this. There's something. There's something here." And for me, I didn't think it was anything, but it was like this moment where I felt something kind of come alive in me, like a, a creativity thing. Do you have a moment like that? Can you remember a time where you felt like a spark of creativity or the beginning of something, even as a young person? Okay, so to be honest, like I'm, um, I'm from a different generation. So I'm actually 61 years of age. And um, without this sounding sad, my parents are older. I, I actually didn't grow up in an environment that actually they didn't see what was in you. They never saw if there was any gift or any art or any something, and they never even spoke to that, you know. So I remember, I've told this story before, but I remember when I was about 12 saying, I really want to learn the guitar. And um, my parents said, it's a phase, you'll grow out of it. (laughs) That was it. So I don't really remember a moment like that. Yet as a child, I knew I could draw, not very well, but I could draw. I knew that there was something in there, but I actually don't remember a tangible moment, which, you know, is possibly releasing for some people, you know? Yeah, right. I'm so conscious that there's people in the room today who feel like creativity is just 
it's your thing. It's where you're in your grace zone and it comes so easily. But I'm aware that maybe there are people in the room today who you're here because maybe it's not necessarily the thing that comes most naturally to you. So we want to kind of talk to both sides of things today. So I love that. Do you guys have a moment that comes to mind? Lozzy? Um, I think... Unlike mum, I am a part of a generation where creativity is really celebrated and really valued. And obviously for me, I've grown up in this church. This has been my reality. And for as long as I remember, creativity has been at the forefront of the church. And so I'm so blessed to be a part of that because I've grown up with examples of it and mentors and role models and people that I just aspired to be like. And I remember from a very early age, I looked to... Darlene and like, and my brother Joel and and I just was like, I want what they have, um, not just not just their um, obviously their their love and their genuine relationship with with God, but I loved their passion to see creativity flourish in the church, and so. For me personally, I remember um, just always. I'm a very visual person. And so I like, I've always just loved things that just like caught my eye, that just like captured my attention. And whether that was like <laughs> sunsets or like colors or, you know, for me, I like, I just loved like um, magazine and layouts and spreads and books and, and so on. And I loved music. And so I just feel like all of that has just always been in me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a moment, Amanda? I'm trying to find one. You don't have to make I one I feel up. like it's progressive. I think what yeah. I, the words that came to mind for me was that I loved stories and sound. And um, my dad would read us novels by the fire. I grew up in Canada. You know, to not go stark raving mad, you have to, you have to like... I feel like it fosters a great um, imagination because <laughs> what else are you going to do? <laughs> You know, um, necessity breeds innovation a lot of the time. Um, in fact, boredom is actually key to creativity. Yes. There's an essential boredom. I went to, wow, well, I'm just going to share something okay. now. Is that okay? Of okay. course. I went to listen to this um, neuroscientist last year in Atlanta, and he was speaking about the necessity of boredom and how we live in a culture nowadays that treats boredom as though it's a problem. When really it's an on-ramp. It's a pathway to your imagination kicking in, but because we think that boredom is the issue or it's a negative or it's a problem, we immediately reach for something to satisfy the boredom, so we inundate ourselves with more information rather than using our imagination, right? And I, th I feel like we're Imagineers. We're called to be Imagineers. We're like innovators and we're designed to be co-creators and so there's this essential space of boredom that comes and I remember as a kid I guess I was bored a lot I don't really feel like I was but I think there was just a lot of space to to create to sit I didn't know what it was. I wasn't really like I'm gonna create I'm gonna write songs I'm gonna it was just kind of like my parents put me in piano lessons when I was four because it was a thing that we did and and I hated practicing but I loved the sound of music so it became a pathway, it became an on-ramp for expression and for imagination for me, especially as someone who is really locked up emotionally. So I could always find my way to, into the mystery of God on the piano before I had anything else, before I, knew, before I could write any legible lyrics or anything. It was just all in the sound and then the integration of story. 
That's actually a really interesting thing because when I was growing up as a little girl, my parents would always say, oh, you're all, she's happy to play by herself. She's happy to entertain herself, just be in her own company. And like you're saying, that is actually quite um, a disease of today's society. And so it's kind of putting a bit of a flip side on the whole idea of aloneness. Not loneliness, because that can be detrimental, but it's actually not a bad thing to be alone and to find your alone places and to maximise them, hey? That's awesome. I actually read an article in context to your kids and it was like the best thing that you can do for your children in like, I think it was before last summer, so probably this time last year, is um, the best activity for them this summer is nothing. Um, because of the, it's key in their developmental stage to spark their imagination and get that working. So um, it's really interesting. Yeah. I think, um, so again, the focus of today is like, how do we discover the prophetic edge in our creativity? But for a moment, can we just talk practically maybe about some of the things that we do to outwork our creativity? So for context, maybe a lot of people would see the Colour Conference and walk into a meeting for the first time and see words spread across the screens and they can't believe it because God is speaking to them before it's even begun. And I've heard Pastor Brian often say, like, for you, that journey of the Colour Conference is all year round. There are meetings board meetings, um, dreaming sessions, fleshing it out. Could you like give us some insight into practically that process of creativity that leads up to say colour? What does that look like? I'm sure people don't realise how much. Oh my gosh, that's actually a really huge question. And even the title of that is kind of a little bit scary. Finding the prophetic edge (laughs) in creativity. It's like, I have no idea. Yeah, 100%. It's like... Uh, we're saying, and we we're like, we were really banking on Joel to turn up and do all of the talking, you know, because he has the gift of the gab. This is lovelier. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, look, I kind of alluded to it a little bit in the session that we had earlier this morning, a tiny bit with Noodle. Like, for me, it's really not that scary. I know that I'm called. I know that we have got a house. Um, Brian and I have been entrusted with that, the house of God, a part of the house of God on the earth, but a house of God. And within that is a desire to see men and women raised up and to find their potential in God and all of that. Within that is the feminine heart. And God entrusted that vision to me, um, you know, um, a lot of years ago, well over 20 years ago. And I really just live within that mandate. It's no more complicated than that. And so when it comes to the practicalities of that, of course, we have to apply ourselves. We have to give due diligence. We have to attend. We have to put our hand to the plough. We have to get in the field. We have to do all of that. But because I have this conviction, it's the conviction that keeps me on the straight and narrow. It's the conviction that I don't add to it, I don't subtract from it by the grace of God, therefore I can do it. And I think it's just constant, it is constantly in my heart and mind, so my eyes are attentive to it all the time. Just all the time, but in the most natural way. And it's amazing, like I heard Joel say once, well, probably someone really famous said it, um, 
that creativity inspires creativity. And so we're in this creative world. Everywhere, everywhere we look, there are artisans at play, whether they're redeemed or unredeemed. The world is full of the creative expression of God, actually, whether they're um, giving expression to something profound as a song that's gonna lead people to Christ or be redemptive um, in a broken world or whether they're selling shampoo or skincare. Like it's a creative, we live in such a creative world. So there's triggers all the time. And I think my eye is open to those triggers and context of what I've been entrusted to bring. And yeah, it does, it does roll out in a schedule, but I don't know if you've noticed that we're the church that has a million things going. And so there's always a landing pattern of how we actually attack things. And so we do strategize it and we do, it does actually begin probably 18 months prior. Keeping in mind there's lots of things within that. It's just, it's just a progression, a beautiful progression of being open to, 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 the, to the God drop and the layers that will come with that. And for me, it's no more complicated than that. Is it easier now to get a piece about something you know, years or decades into the journey of, say, colour, 22 years or something, like when you feel like this might be a theme or when something lands, do you feel more confident than you did? Yeah, I think so, because confidence comes with the journey. I've got some pretty remarkable people alongside who I believe are capable of pulling down the prophetic drop. Like even last night, I don't know, I got to bring the Word of God. I laboured and gave my best. Um, Joel and United and the team, they laboured and they brought their very best. It's, and it was a raw edge last night. But you know what? You would think there was a collaboration there. There wasn't. And I listened to what they brought and I'm thinking, oh, I, had, I had that in my message. And then they're listening to my message going, these things are in the song. And that's beyond our humanity. That is the Spirit of God in us and the Spirit of God is not schizophrenic. He has, you know, the world is diverse, the church is diverse, but the voice of God's Spirit, this one beating heart is the same heart. So there's gonna be a commonality to all that we bring. And so it's learning just to trust in that. And I think that does come with distance and it comes with experience. And it comes with this confidence that, you know what, Lord, you've never failed us before. And I am learning to wait. I know I'm taking a long time here, but I'm learning to trust. And I say this to the girls, my beautiful, our beautiful sisterhood girls every week. I say it all the time. His mercy is in you every morning. And when we're struggling to find it at, at night and you like start to get tense and the tension comes and it's like, you know what, I need to put myself to sleep because he gives his beloved sleep. So go to sleep and you know what? His mercies will be in you in the morning. And I, of late, I'm not a super, super spiritual person, but I, I, it's, I, I smile at God because I so often wake up with a God thought. And if I'm diligent enough to write it down quickly into my phone before I forget it, <laughs> it's right. Because He wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you strategy. He wants to talk to your heart. He wants to show you the way forward. Amen. Lozzie, I remember, I'm going to like backtrack maybe five years before like the whole Young and Free movement started, but it was in the early stages. And something that you would say all the time, which now makes so much sense, but then it was kind of like a little random. You just kept saying, like, I want, you know, in the process of everyone writing songs and creating whatever, I just want this to be fun and joyful. I want it to be fun and full of life. I want it to be 
And even maybe at the time, we had a lot of slower songs, but we didn't have a lot of fast, fun songs that made people want to dance and all of that kind of thing. And now we go, wow, like that makes, that's kind of what, has, what it's brought to the table, even in our church. But can you talk to that you know, moment where you're like, I just know, one thing I know, it needs to be fun. That was the one thing I knew. Yeah. It's true. I think, I, I said this yesterday in the, I don't know, with Nathan Finocchio, the crazy guy. Um, anything that I've ever done has been just a response to seeing the need. And I feel like, like you get your prophetic edge when you... <laughs> oh my yes, God. Lord. <laughs> it feels so right. Sorry. Have you got a microphone? No. We've only got three. We can share. Yeah. We dress the same. Yeah. <laughs> Prophetic edge. Prophetic edge. You guys are in tune. Hi. How I'm, I'm puffed. Okay. Sorry. We're happy you're here. You are welcome in this place. <laughs> Thank you. You are welcome on this panel. Okay, really Lozzie, good, Laura, keep going. Lozzie, keep going. Um, so I feel like for us at the time, it was just, just paying attention. Like I was, I guess I was paying attention to what the mood was amongst our young people. And I felt like there was just something a little bit intense, maybe like leaning towards a bit of a depressive kind of thing. And I wasn't okay with that because our youth has always been full of life and full of joy and, and we've always allowed young people to walk through the doors and just immediately like their spirits would be lifted and they would come into a positive environment and atmosphere. And so I just noticed, I noticed that and I wasn't okay with that. And so I was like, okay, if we're going to create a new sound, what do we want the sound to be? And I just asked I asked those types of questions, like, what, what should the sound be? Like, what should the sound unlock? What should the sound unleash? And when you ask yourself those questions, I feel like they're the questions that you're unknowingly, like, you're kind of, like, giving them to God. Like, for me, they, I guess they were prayers, even though I didn't even really realise it at the time. And so in those conversations, it just kind of was like an idea, like, oh, songs of joy, songs that would allow young people to dance. And it was as simple as that. And with that directive, those songs emerged. And the cool thing is, is that, and I say this, you know, when we get the opportunity to talk about Young and Free now, like five years down the track, is like when we travel the world or whatever we're doing, even yesterday, to see that take place, even like every single time, without a doubt, like you, you look at and just, you can see people are um, experiencing that reality like the reality of joy um, and having a good time because we can have a good time in the presence of God. And I'm like, God is so faithful because I, my like human side is I'm very timid. And so like, I wouldn't like, I don't come in like confident going, this is what the directive is. This is what God says. Like, I'm like, I think maybe like, you know, and, and so then I, to see God actually be faithful to His Word that He gave me is just like mind-blowing. Yeah. Do you guys think that it's always like in that early stage before say a project begins or a message is formed, it's always going to be, I think maybe it could be this? It never seems to be like, this is it. 
No doubt. Jolly, do you have any thoughts? Hi. I'm just catching up. Okay. That's sometimes what it feels like, catching up. Mm. You know, I feel like... <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Strong. <laughs> it's true, though. I, I, I don't feel like you ever... There's, no, there's never that one moment to me where it's like, um, yeah, poof, here we are. Um, just like Laura was saying, like, here's, here's what we're doing, everybody gather around that. It's almost like you're just chasing, to me, it's, it feels like chasing the spirit, what he's doing. I mean, one of the best metaphors I have is just, is just fishing. Like, you know, I, I don't like fishing. I, I don't have no joy for fishing whatsoever. <laughs> I think it's a waste of time. And I think fish, there's nothing wrong with fish are good. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you want to eat a fish, just get one from the fish shop. But people would say the same thing about songs or music or what we do, you know, like there's plenty of good songs out there. But to me, it's just about, you know, if you, it's always, it's just being open all the time, like always having, I guess, your nets cast or like something out there and ready for those little moments because, you know, God is, is supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's very natural as well. And so um, it's, it's often, I find the supernatural and the extraordinary and the spectacular, that stuff happens in the really kind of mundane moments, the really ordinary moments, conversations with friends, arguments with friends. Like this stuff is where God speaks. And there's language and there's like, like repetitive words. Like words, you know, do you ever like find yourself, you hear a word you've never heard before, and then you hear that word like 10 times yeah. in one week. And yeah. you're like, has it always been there? Like, like that word, like burgeoning, you know, burgeoning, burgeoning. I remember happening, like, I'm like, where'd that word come from? Like, why is everybody using it? I think God speaks that way. Totally. In, in strange yeah. ways. And, and, um, and I think when you're open to little stuff like that and things that are happening and, and stuff that, like, you know, it's amazing. Like, I, I find um, social media really interesting because I'll find everyone starts posting, like, the same passage of Scripture and it's the same one. Like, it's, it's the same Holy Spirit that we're all, like, tapped into, right? So it's, it, isn't it just like God to be speaking to everybody at the same time? If he's got something he's wanting to go viral, for want of a better term, he's going to make it go viral. <laughs> And, um, and so I think that that's the stuff that you, I think if you've got an openness to it and if you, you have if ears to hear and, and I, you know, you start to just pick up these little trends. And I think those things often, they're, they're more often than not, they're confirmations and something that you don't, you don't shift the whole wheel and chase after those things. You just let them kind of just confirm what it is that you feel like God's doing in you and the songs that are there. And, and I just think like when it comes to a project like this, it's, it's just this feeling, this like little itch. And it's like, I'm going to chase after that. I don't know how to scratch it yet because it's in a part of my back I can't reach anymore. But I'm going to chase after that thing and uh, figure it out. And then it's like all of a sudden everything starts kind of just like coming together and you go, oh, okay, yeah, that's what it is. I didn't see it at the beginning, but it's there. And, it, and it's, that, to me, that's where the joy is because at the end of the story, you go, man, like, like God was involved in this. And, and the, thing, the biggest thing I feel with any project or any moment or anything that we're doing is I just want to feel like, like the God's in it, you know? Like, and, um, and the greatest joy um, in the process and on the other side of it is being like, even if, it, like, if it's good or not, even if it like smashes it out of the park, like you catch like a million fish or you don't catch any, the process is a beautiful bit and just that feeling like God was in it with you. And, and I love it. And I love it also because, you know, everything's not measured by one thing. Like we get to go again. So like if, if something's a success or not, it's okay. Like I honestly, there was a time where I was like, ah, no one likes it. It doesn't matter. Like God was taking us through that journey for what's next, you know. And, um, and all that stuff is just like, to me, it just feels like 
getting to high five God along the way, you know, and that's the coolest thing. In United, like, you're open all the way through the process, like right until the very end. And if something's brought to the table and maybe it works or it didn't go the way you thought, you're not afraid to change and shift direction and follow where it needs to go in order for it to be what it needs to be. Was that always the case? Uh, yes and no. I think maybe now, like nowadays, I'm, I'm way cooler to like have public failures, you know, like with songs and stuff. Because I think sometimes you just got to put it out there. And I think like fear and just that, that feeling of like, um, I'm not sure, you know? There's, there's a place, time and a place for it, you know, like obviously. And I think that's where it's, um, that, that requires wisdom and, and whatnot. Because you don't want to just like, there's been failures in the past. People remind me, I think I've shut them out of my memory. <laughs> that didn't happen. Like one time I think I got up and sung a song and, um, and I didn't actually have lyrics for it, but I felt like God was going to speak to me, like the lyrics in the moment, and he, he didn't. He didn't speak. <laughs> it was terrible. It was a song, Take Heart. It was for a church album. So we got up there and sung the whole front of it, and then, you know, the bit at the end, is like, there's like that long boot and bridge. Yeah, I was like, God's just going to speak to me, and he didn't. So I was just like, la, 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 just like forever. <laughs> and at the same time, um, Brooke and I, it's the only song we'd ever really written, and it's not a very good song. It's called Glorious Condescension or something like that. She did the same thing. I remember thing. that song. It yeah, yeah. So, so she didn't have lyrics either. I said, just get up there. God's going to speak to you. And then he didn't either. <laughs> so, you know, it was, yeah. So that was like bad. I mean, we had to go. Neither of it worked. But, you know, along the way, so that's like 10 years ago. So I don't know. Like even from the, very, from the get-go, it's like, like I said, I feel like you're always trying to catch up. So, you know, I told all that guys on this project, because we got a lot of songs. We had, we had 48 songs, which we've never had before. And then we got it down to 24, and then, um, and then we kind of like we're focusing on 12, and we've only done nine of them, you know? But like there's these songs, and, and um, there's all, like, so I told our guys, because everyone kept bringing songs, I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop. <laughs> Let's just like focus on the ones we've got for now. I just think it's that willingness to go and go, look, here's a framework, but you can throw it out at any moment, and it's okay to change it, it's okay to make mistakes along the way, and it's okay to go, like, not be stubborn or, or arrogant about your idea. Like, if you think, man, this is an idea, God's given me this, this is unreal, um, it doesn't mean it's, like, the best. It doesn't mean that God's not going to go, hey, and now I use that one because this is a better one, and you have to be humbled. <laughs> you have to humble yourself. So just, like, I don't know, this just, like, to me it's just really being open to whatever God wants to lead you in. I don't know. After we, you know, bring something out for the first time, like I, I, only, I can think of Young and Free, that first time where I watch people start to write songs and you don't know what it is. So you're just shooting in the dark and it could be something it might not be. And then people experience it and they kind of know what it is. And then you have to create again. Or I think about it. In of creating again and, and digging again. Is that daunting? Is that yeah, it's scary. Right. Because, you know, you start... We can all have a plethora of good ideas. The world is full of good ideas, but finding the God idea, the God idea yeah. is very, very different. It's the God idea that is strategic. 
You know, like in that last session, it's like there is, the Spirit of God has genius for solution in the world. God ideas that are gonna trigger redemption and help and rescue. So you know what, waiting for that God idea, it's, it, it, it is waiting. Yeah. I remember once being uh, in the Acer, we had done colour, then we were recording an album, we were, it might have been that every, with everything, with everything, yeah, you know? And I was like, God, because colour had, for me had been so beautiful, the, everything was so beautiful. I thought, how can it get any better? God, I've got nothing left, how can it get any be- more beautiful than this? I'm saying that in the most pure way, hung Father, and then it's like, because I got nothing. We got nothing left, God. We've given everything. We've, we have nothing left, God. And then you're reminded that this this is the God of the universe. He has no end of creativity. He has no end of genius. And the nature of revelation is that it is continually revealing. And truth has been said. It's all been said and done in this pocket of time. Everything that can be said, there is nothing new under the sun. It's been said and done. When we get to eternity, our eyes will open again and again and again. But within what we have been entrusted with, there are layers and layers and layers and layers. And it's words, like Joel saying, words coming alive. You're like, where does that word come from? And suddenly you just see, you see more depth behind it, more depth, more depth. And that's what we have to have confidence in in the creative process. And that is the prophetic creative edge. It is like for the Lord to allow our eyes to see into the future and be drawn. And as pastors and leaders, that is a responsibility of, you know, if we go to apostolic leadership or senior leader, it is to be endlessly vision casting or seeing it yourself so that you can take the people with you and go on a journey together. Can I say something Um, in context to that? Like just taking the pressure off because um, it's okay to feel pressure, but for me, um, like I think about my daughter, you know, and she is learning about love now for the first time and kindness and what it means to live with virtue. And I'm like, that in itself is just like the prophetic edge (laughs) because I'm like, these things, they don't get tired. They don't get old, even though we're familiar with it. There is a generation rising up who need to learn these really simple truths. And so I'm like, that's why I loved wonder because I'm like, oh, bring it back to just wonder. Like, you know, it's just so simple. And yet I look at these guys and honestly, I could get intimidated because they're so gifted and so profound and so poetic. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't, I actually don't feel like, in, I'd, in, when I strip everything back, I feel like my lane is just to, to like bring simple truths. And for me, that's so freeing. It's so freeing. And I'm like, wow, God, you can speak through me even within my limitations, because the most profound stuff is the simplest things. Yeah. Yeah. You'll hear someone say the most simple thing, but when it's said in that right timing or that moment where you desperately needed it and God's on it, it can complete, you might've heard it a thousand times before, but it can completely change your life. And that's kind of it, right? The edge of, of having a prophetic edge is that right thing at right time, which is kind of the God part that we all need. Um, So some people would say that at times 
I'm just going to smile when I ask this question, but it's a bit deep. But some people say that creative people, we can tend to have a thin skin, right? Like we have that sensitivity towards the Holy Spirit and towards even people and what's happening in a room. But then there's this flip side of that, which can be our sensitivity and at times uh, maybe self-doubt or just personal challenges that we just can't overcome. I'm wondering, at, I'm sure across this platform, there would be wisdom on how do you navigate that? How do you make your way out and keep yourself in good spaces as a creative? Uh, well, there's a visual that keeps coming to mm-hmm. mind, so I'll just share that, because um, I feel like it's appropriate. I had this moment in my soul space, my imagination with the Lord, um, probably about a year and a half ago, and in the picture, I was underground in a subway station and there was a beautiful painting on one side and a stage on the other side, you know, where the like, the, well, I can't find words, platform, thank you. So in the picture, I was, I would go to the painting and I would stare at it and it was so magnificently beautiful and I would start weeping and then I would go over to the stage, I would pick up a megaphone and I would start talking to people about how beautiful the painting was. And people weren't stopping and I was getting, and I would run out of steam, like I would get like, and then I would get off the platform and I would go back to the painting and I would just stare at it until I was moved by it again and start weeping and then I'd go back to the stage. This happened a few times. And then I felt the Lord lean in and just say, just come stare at the painting. And I just stared at the painting and I just let myself be absorbed into the moment and taken over by the beauty. And what I noticed, like people started stopping in the picture, right? People started stopping because when there's a curiosity in all of us towards beauty and towards the essence of goodness, which is God. And Madeline Langle um, is one of my favorite authors. She basically talks about how we're meant to provide the world and provide human consciousness with goodness that provokes the right questions. And we're inundated with information. So really, I was like going to the stage to try to inundate people with the information when really if I just stayed, if I just stayed like a window rather than a mirror, I just stayed like a window and stared at the beauty, you know, it, it provoked something. And so I just remember thinking as prophetic people, which is kind of a, I think it's a clue. We're meant to be prophetic people, a prophetic company of people, not just create prophetic things or do prophetic, have these blissful prophetic moments, you know? And if we start actually being absorbed into the story and into the gospel, into the goodness, everything starts to become prophetic. You're not trying anymore. And your ego actually doesn't enter into the conversation. Like my ego was still there because it was still about me trying to convince people. When I just stopped and stared, it was like less explaining and impressing and more just absorbing and expressing. Does that make sense? And there's something that's irresistible. (laughs) There's just... So I think we're meant to live as thin-skinned people. We're porous. Like, we're meant to feel. We're meant to actually feel the depth of emotion uh, that being a human being is. Jesus did this. Jesus wept over Lazarus. Like, I don't think he was doing that to try to impress us 2,000 years later with how he wept. He was actually given over to the moment, feeling the the grief of the moment. You know what I mean? So 
I just, I don't even know if I'm even answering a question. I just feel like the more we're absorbed into the gospel, into the goodness, and we just keep staring, <laughs> I feel like our ego just, you know, humility is actually part of being a human. Like we often think that it's like an antithesis of like, I have to try to, I have to strive to be humble. No, you just have to embrace your humanity and your neediness for Jesus. Your neediness, right? And humility, it just, keep, it just keeps you, you're like, I am tiny. I am a tiny human being and I'm just doing my best and I'm gonna keep staring at the goodness that saved me. Um, people, like people, how much do you think about people in the process of creating? Because like, we're often recipients of these prophetic moments. Um, say for example, you know, in our night meeting tonight, we'll sing a song together that pulls us, like we were saying, pulls us into the future and inspires us to go forward and not get stuck and lean into God. But um, when you're in that process of creativity, who, like how much are you thinking about the faces and the people and the hearts that are going to be in that moment? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of a paradox in, in the sense of like, I think there's a part of you that has to be, or at least there's a part of me that has to, um, is constantly dying to that thing that's wanting to, to please people. Right. And yet everything that we do is there to help please people, really. Um, and I think that's okay. And I think it's healthy to wrestle with that. And so um, I think that the things, what helps me the most is, and it, you know, it goes back to years and years ago, Marty Sampson, and um, someone asked a question and said, oh, you know, like, how do you write songs? You know, lyrics or melody? And, um, and Marty goes, oh, well, what we do is we close our eyes. Or he goes, what I do is I close my eyes and um, I just look at all my friends and everybody at youth and it's Friday night, everyone's there, all my mates are there. Everyone's going crazy for Jesus. Like they're just going crazy. Everyone's jumping around, everyone's singing at the top of their lungs. And then I just listen to what they're singing. And I was like, bro, that's, ex that's it. That's like, that's, and that's what Marty did. And that's what we did. And, and I think I still, that's how, that's for me, if I don't know what to write, like it, it just comes back to these. So here we are, we're just, I'm just going to do my best to use the pieces of, that are available to us to try and navigate towards that thing, knowing that you can't force it. But if God put that picture there and all the pieces in play, like he doesn't, he doesn't call us into stuff. If he's, he, he gives us everything we need to do what he calls us to do. So sometimes I think we can sit there because I do all the time feel like feeling like I mean I gotta like I don't have what it takes to do this and, and I don't. But you look around and God just brings their people, their other people's ideas. It's embracing stuff that doesn't make sense. It's pulling Teleli up onto the stage to sing a song that means the world to me, but I know it means the world to me so much that I don't want anyone else in the world to sing it but him because I love him so much. And it being special. And like these little moments that were on the fly that you weren't prepared, but they were, like mum said, you know, you just kind of like, I'm ready for anything. Amanda was ready to jump up last night, would have been amazing, um, but it didn't happen. But other things did. And it's like, that's, it's just rolling that way. And so I think, you know, to what you were saying before, man, I'm just going to swing it. I know we have a couple minutes left, but like, to me, a whole lot of what we do is, um, 
it's about um, it's like gentrifying culture and you know like a, a neighborhood that's really really run down usually that's where the artists go and the artists start graffitiing the streets and they start they, you know someone comes in and pulls a cool cafe in there and next thing you know there's little art galleries and before long you know Whole Foods moves in or something else <laughs> and next thing you know they're building condos and, and all the property goes up in value and I just think that's what we're called to do as the church and so I think when we look around, when we look at the world, and I see there's so many parts of the world that I think as the church, like we just like take our hands off it and we let the world take it. And I'm sitting there going, no, like, like God is redemptive in everything he does. All he does is he takes broken things and he makes them beautiful again. And that's what he's called us to do, is to go in and say, that's, okay, this area here, let's go into that area of culture and just make it beautiful again to what you're saying. Like, let's just, let's move in, let's move into the neighbourhood. Um, and you've got to move in and then let's just bit by bit just the value goes up and all of a sudden we make these ruined places beautiful again and God does that through us and I think we do that with ideas, songs, styles of music, the arts, whatever it is. Like, like if you, the moment you think something's kind of like not cool anymore, that's where you should be running, straight to that space, I reckon. Go straight to that space and start trying to pull the beauty out of it because there's things that were so good. The, the, the truths are timeless, like Lawsy was saying. Like, the gospel is timeless at its purest thing. So, like, don't, don't chase after the new thing, the, the fancy thing. Go back and find the things that need redeeming, that just need to come back in and, 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 and pull them in and allow God to, to put a new, just paint it with new colours. There's nothing wrong with going back and just taking that old stuff and just, and just allowing... Yeah, so that's... Anyway, that's... Wow. Honestly, that's all I ever try to do with anything is just go, okay, let's just renovate that old broken house that was once beautiful where people once had like amazing meals and families hung out and on the porch and stuff. Let's go and make that place beautiful again and see if people want to live there again. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, that's it. Hopefully you guys, um, your hearts are inspired today. And maybe you'll notice it's not this perfect process of like, okay, here's the one, two step formula to how to have a prophetic edge in your creativity, but so much to do with just an ability to develop a listening ear to the Holy Spirit and learning to trust that and some trial and error and other fun things in between. But um, were, you, were you enjoying that session today? You having fun? Okay, good. I, yeah, let's clap. Clapping's good. Um, Pastor Bowie, will you pray for us before we go and pray for everyone in the room? Maybe we can stand together and... Um, that would be amazing. Amen. You're so lovely. Thank you for being here. So Father God, um, first I just thank you for a remarkable day and that we have um, actually been able to partake of what has been happening and we don't take one moment of it for granted. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for every home and household and every life here that God, you will just bless them, Father God. And Lord, what is the most beautiful is a willingness a willingness to be present, a willingness to lean in, to learn, to be teachable, to grow. And so, Father, our simple prayer is that you will continue to have your divine way in our lives. 
We commit our way to you, Father God. And um, we pray that, Holy Spirit, you will just overshadow us and help us to see what you see and what's important and to spend our lives for what is eternal and what is pleasing to your heart. So, Father, bless every home again, every household, every family, every relationship, every marriage. Father God, every church. Bless every church that is represented here. And for those who are watching online, bless them exactly where they are at. So, Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're the best. Have a great afternoon. Can we say a big thank you to Laura, Amanda, Joel and Bobby? How good. Thank you, guys. Hey, well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about bringing a prophetic edge to your creativity. And I hope you receive that and I hope that as you create, you can create with meaning, with purpose and a prophetic edge. Well, that's it for today's episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. We'd also like to hear from you too. So if you have a comment, you can do that on our Instagram, which is at HillsongWCC. And we'll see you next time.